This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 24. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Okay, well, today we have Michelle McQuaid with us. She is a well-being teacher and a strengths consultant. She's also authored a few books, among them Your Strengths Blueprint, How to Be Engaged, Energized and Happy at Work, and the intriguingly named How to Tame a Bad Boss. Currently, she is in the process of completing her PhD on the subject of appreciative inquiry. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So how do you find your strengths in the real world? Let's dive right in. I think the uh, piece that we often overlook, we're good at noticing when things aren't working for us and it sparks our curiosity about how can we make it better. We tend not to be as naturally curious about when something is working for us, what's going right. So the simplest way to start finding our strengths in the real world is to become a little more alert and aware to those moments where we're feeling engaged in the things that we're doing, uh, where we're feeling energised, when we're walking away from activities going, I really enjoyed that. And so we want those to start to become kind of those light bulb moments in our brain to go, oh, hang on, what was I just doing? You know, what was happening? What was I spending my time on? Who was I spending it with that was creating those kind of outcomes for me? Um, For me, some of those light bulb moments always come whenever I look up at the clock and go, oh, my God, is that the time? (laughs) Because I know I've kind of been completely engaged and immersed in whatever was happening in that state that psychologists talk about as flow Um, and that's a real marker okay it's normally moments where our strengths have been used and light bulb moments for me when I walk away from something going that was really good I'm really excited about that I can't wait to get our next meeting happening I can't wait to get into that next piece of work again it's a light bulb moment for me to go okay um, which strengths might I be using that are creating these kind of outcomes for me and the third light bulb moment for me there's days when I walk away from something and go I feel really proud about that I feel like that was something really good uh, that I put my effort towards so just starting in the first place to be a little more aware and alert to where we're engaged energized and enjoying what we're doing and then I find some of us are really good at naming those moments you know okay I can see I was really using my strength of curiosity there because I was learning something new and exciting or I was really being creative I was thinking outside the box and finding new ways to do something and for others of us naming our strengths doesn't come as easily and that's where using some of the uh, well-developed tools like the via survey uh, realize two or gallup strengths finder can sometimes help us give a vocabulary to be able to actually name those strengths which makes it even easier to spot in the future as well absolutely have you found with your clients that it helps Do they sometimes have to, you know, start even before the strengths, you know, with uh, mindfulness, for example, because paying attention to what's happening is not easy for everybody. 
I think mindfulness runs throughout your strengths practice, <laughs> most definitely, because it does require an, a level of awareness and presence and consciousness that many of us sometimes miss in our day-to-day -day life. So definitely starting with mindfulness practice can be uh, beneficial. Um, for some of us, if we're not quite there yet, um, even journaling, so Marcus Buckingham has written some wonderful guides on how to journal about your strengths. And one of the things he recommends and I've found helpful for my clients is almost for a week keeping a bit of a diary about where are you having those moments where you're more engaged and energised and he also suggests becoming more aware of our weaknesses as well. So also noting those noticing those moments that aren't working so well for us. But you're absolutely right. It's not even just in the first getting to understand our strengths that we need to be mindful. But I find the practice of mindfulness is hugely important once we've discovered what our strengths are and we start trying to be more present in the ways that we might use them as we go about our days. Right, so let's say we know what our strengths are and now we're trying to make a habit out of it. How do you build strengths habits? Yeah, this is one of the small tweaks I found can make the biggest impact in people's work and life when it comes to trying to develop our strengths more. Um, and I think with any behaviour change, you know, the research suggests for us that the more we can shrink the, try, try, the change we're trying to create, generally the more successful we are because as we shrink those changes, we start to get better at actually following through and doing them and that builds our confidence and enjoyment so we want to do more of it. And so when we create a strengths habit, one of the things that I work with my clients on is creating an 11-minute daily strengths habit. <laughs> now, why 11 minutes? Well, we find from the research, particularly out of MIT, that our habits run on a very simple neurological loop of cue, routine, and reward. So there's some kind of cue that triggers our habit off. There's the routine that we perform and there's a reward that we get afterwards. Now we want to use each of these steps when we're creating a strength habit in order to make sure that it sticks and is successful for us. The 11 minutes itself, there's no science to that except to say that the biggest reason I found people uh, walk away from being able to use their strengths more at work is they say, oh, I'm too busy, I forgot, I didn't get to it. And so so we try to shrink the change to be busy proof and no matter how busy our days are we can all find sort of 11 minutes either getting up a little bit earlier squeezing in it at lunch or doing it before we go to bed so 11 minutes was simply a busy proof way to get people over that hurdle of just starting because once you start it feels so good it's easy to keep going so here's what they do in the 11 minutes Having identified what's the strength they want to do more of. Now, this might be a strength they already do, but they want to be more consistent. Could be a strength that they've not really been using at work and they want to start trying. Or it could be a strength that they've maybe been overplaying and it's been creating problems and they want to practice dialing it back a bit. So first is getting really clear, this is the strength that I want to build my habit around. Then thinking about how can I cue this habit up and I recommend even 30 seconds you can create an effective cue and you might do that by anchoring it to a habit you already have like getting out of bed each morning, turning on your computer, getting your morning cup of coffee, packing up at the end of the day. So we anchor it to a habit we have, we tend to flow a bit more seamlessly into it. The second thing we can do to create a good cue is embed it in our environment so we almost fall into the habit. 
Um, so when I was working on developing my strength at Curiosity, for example, in a job that I had, I used to uh, leave whatever I was reading across my keyboard the night before. So I couldn't actually turn on my computer without picking up the book or the article. And once it was in my hand, the most self-defeating thing in all the world felt like putting that down again and trying to come back to it later. So embedding it in our environment makes it easy for us to fall into that habit. And the other cue that researchers are finding works effectively is to prime our brain with a when-then statement. So when I get to work, then I'll spend 10 minutes reading and learning something new, for example. So first is the cue, and you want to make sure you've got a cue that really makes it easy to get started. Then for 10 minutes, at least, you just want to immerse yourself in using that strength. So my curiosity one was to read for 10 minutes and learn something new. Uh, in particular, at that stage, it was something new about how we'd use positive psychology in workplaces. Now, if you can spend longer than 10 minutes, by all means do. The more time we can spend in our strengths, generally, the better. But don't not start because you're too busy. Even 10 minutes will make a difference. And then finally, and this is the bit that most of us skip, is really making sure we reward ourselves, even if it's just for 30 seconds. And Chris, and one of the things I find people all often say here is, oh, well, just doing the activity will be its own reward. And they're right, it will to some extent, but you really want to create a reward that has a stronger pull than that, so that it creates this lovely surge of dopamine, that feel-good reward chemical in our brain, so that it helps to consolidate the neural pathways we're building around using that strength, but it also sets up a craving so that next time that cue goes off, we automatically start to feed through that habit loop again. So a reward can be something physical. It might be after you've done your habit, you get your morning cup of coffee, for example. Um, for me, it's a little bit sad. It was after I had um, done my 10 minutes of reading and learning, I then got to open my emails. So <laughs> the thing was, I did want to open my emails every day. And so putting my habit in between being able to open those emails and doing the habit was a surefire way to get it started. Um, so it doesn't really matter what the reward is as long as it feels good to you and it's something that you really want. And as much as you can, I try and say, see if you can do it without alcohol or chocolate. <laughs> Otherwise, it can become a bit dangerous over the course of the day if you're doing more than one habit at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's nice. You, you you desperately wanted to open your email, so you, you start do, using your strengths. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. I like exactly. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. Well, okay. So um, let's shift a little bit and get more into actual strengths. Now, at work, it's not always easy. For example, some strengths seem to lend themselves really good to work. So, for example, I, I would imagine that most bosses really love employees who are very perseverant but what do you do if you appreciate beauty and that's your number one strength how do you use something like that at work yeah, it's a great question. So let's take appreciation of beauty and excellence as an example. And often say to people when they get this in their top strengths, they're like, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> um, so number one, it's really important that we understand um, what a strength is in its fullness. And appreciation of beauty and excellence is one of those that has a couple of parts to it. So particularly with the VIA strengths, originally from the research they were based on, they were made as compilations of strengths. And if you look at the 
the definitions behind them, there's often more than just one piece there. So appreciation of beauty has appreciation of beauty and excellence to it. So number one, the excellence part of the appreciation generally means that these people like things done well, you know. They like it to be excellent in the way that it's done, in the outcomes that it creates and the like. So the appreciation of excellence I think is really easy to use in our workplaces because it's about taking pride in our work and, and doing the best job that we can. If, however, your strength in that is leaning more towards the beauty and not so much of the excellence, then again, these can be people who I find generally love to create um, an enjoyable environment around them. So they'll like to have um, nice office spaces, for example. And so in a team area or things like that, these can be people whose strengths are great at just paying a bit more attention to the environment and the space that we're working in. You know, have we got plants? Is it, you know, are there some pictures there? Is there a bit of life and colour to it that makes this a space that we want to be in? Um, they can also be great people at helping us kind of get our heads up from the desks occasionally and making sure we're getting out into nature and seeing the horizon. And we know from the research that things that are green and blue for us are particularly good for our well-being when it comes to work. So, you know, these can be great people to kind of lead the charge of getting the team out for, a, you know, a, a walk at lunchtime or things like that for team members that want to do that. Um, or again, for team away days and that about creating spaces that will actually, again, allow people to connect to that piece of beauty, a sense of things bigger than ourselves, and some of those well-being benefits that come from spending time in nature. So sort of two parts to the beauty. One is sort of physical environment within the office, but the other part of beauty that these people are often attracted to is more of that sense and connection to nature, which I actually think too many of our workplaces miss the benefits of. Right. Um, my, my heart just opened when I listened to you and heard, you know, about those team events and everything. However, not all workplaces are like that. So what can a worker do if, you know, maybe the teammates or the managers are not that supportive of people using their strengths at work? Yeah, I think one of the reasons we most see that people underplay their strengths at work is that they have a perception that strength won't be valued. Um, and probably the most common one we find with this is the strength of love. Um, we find a lot of people will not feel like they can use that strength of love at work without being considered kind of soft um, and not commercial enough. Um, interestingly, with love, we're actually starting to see some research that suggests that love is probably the strength of great leaders. And if you think about any of the exceptional leaders throughout history, uh, like Gandhi, uh, JFK, Nelson Mandela and others, I'm guessing we can see a fair bit of love in the way they went about what they did. So sometimes it's a reframing. Sometimes we're imagining or we're perceiving that a strength would not be valued and it's actually worth kind of checking in. And again, an easy way that you can do that is to think about some of those moments where you have been engaged and energised and enjoying your work and your teammates or your boss or your clients appreciated what you were doing and just really have a look at, well, which of my strengths were was I using in those moments? Because I think you'll find chances are your strengths may be more valued than perhaps you would see at, at, at first glance. So take another look. It's my first first advice. Secondly, if when you take that look, it's really like, mm, no, I have a strength of humour and playfulness and my boss is the least humorous person I've ever met. <laughs> and every time I crack a joke, I get that kind of stern look from them. Um, this is definitely a strength that's not valued in my work 
workplace, for example. Um, and so then you have a call to make about, okay, are there maybe other people within your team or your work environment who do value that strength while your boss doesn't? And so then it's a bit of a choice about, okay, with these people, I can use that strength. With these people, I can't. And that's some of the reality we each face. If you're finding that actually you don't feel like your boss, your teammates, your clients, anyone around you values that strength, then it might be that that's a strength for use at home um, or outside of work. And if you were finding that that was actually something that was starting to uh, wear you down and making work less enjoyable for you, then it's probably time to start thinking about are uh, the strengths I've got really a good fit for the team I'm in, for the job I'm in, for the company that I'm working for. And if it's not, then that's starting to cost you in terms of your own well-being, perhaps starting to look for something that would be a better fit for who you are at your best. Right, right. Now, you talk, that sounded intriguing, all of it. Um, I was wondering if you could think of any stories of, you know, clients you worked with or examples to, to give, you know, illustrate a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so again, I think love is the easy one um, in terms of we think it's not valued at work and then we find that it is. And I had uh, I worked a lot in a large auditing firm. And so um, these are generally uh, older men I'm working with in their sort of 50s who spent their careers finding what's wrong with things and pointing it out vigorously. And that's how they get promoted and good at their job. <laughs> so I had a group of about 20 of these uh, older men. And uh, it was the first time ever in a workshop I'd run where I had someone say, I'm not comfortable sharing my strengths. And I said, look, that's absolutely fine. I said, would you be comfortable just sharing them with me so that I can help guide you through the rest of the workshop? You don't have to share them with the group, but could you share them with me? So he said, no worries. So we went over to the side and he did the big reveal on what his strengths actually were. And his number one strength was love. And he said, if I walk into this room and I say my number one strength is love, I am going to be the joke of my, you know, of my peers. They're just going to laugh. They're never going to look at me with respect again. And I said, okay. I said, fair enough. I said, can I just tell you though, and I shared with him some of that research I mentioned, that we're starting to see that love is perhaps the strength of great leaders. I said, based on that, would you be willing if I shared that research first to talk about maybe how you use love at work to build great teams, to connect with your clients, um, you know, because I knew this was a leader that got some exceptional results from his people and uh, so very reluctantly he said oh I hadn't thought of it like that okay if you frame it that way I'm happy to have the discussion at least so I was like fantastic that's progress <laughs> so we went back into the group and we shared the research and I asked him for sort of some examples about how does he use this you know to build great teams because he had a very highly engaged team um, how do you use this to create loyal clients because he had clients he'd been working with for decades in this firm and as those stories came out you could see this shift of perception in the group about wow this is really someone who is coming to work each day using a strength that might have been perceived in this environment as quite soft and touchy and feely but was getting quite hard bottom line results in the business uh, and as a result this guy is so sweet you know, he walked out like he was 10 feet tall from that room <laughs> and I also think it gave a permission for the other leaders in that business to start thinking about 
some more of their humanity strengths like love, like kindness, like social intelligence and really the role that they play in business success. So there's one example. The other one I work a lot with recruitment teams where we find someone who's really struggling to perform well at work and so rather than having that conversation of just, you know, you're, you're not doing a good job, you're failing in all these ways, we're giving you, uh, you know, formal notice that we're thinking of firing you if you can't fix this, kind of get out there and do it better. And, of course, people walk away from those conversations absolutely crushed. You know, their confidence is dented, their motivation is quite low intrinsically to deal with what they've been, um, to deal with the change that they're now being asked to make. Whereas when we've worked with recruitment teams to help them have that conversation through a strength lens or, you know what, you don't really seem to be enjoying your work at the moment. So can you tell us about the times when you have, what does that look like? So we start to understand when you use your strength you know how does that play out and are you feeling like maybe in this environment with this team this job you're not really getting those opportunities and people know right we know when work doesn't feel good we know when it's not really coming together for us we just often don't know why or what to do about it and so this kind of creates some safety and space for people to be a bit more honest with themselves and with their workplace about what's happening for them and then it opens up some space for the recruiters and the employee together to say okay well based on that what would be a better fit is there a better opportunity to perhaps somewhere else in the organization or in a different team or actually is this never going to quite fit in which case what would you really like to be doing and is there a way we can help you you know make steps to begin to transition out of that so look it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time those conversations are never easy and I don't want to pretend that they are but what it does start to do is open up that safer space um, without damaging somebody's confidence, with helping them make choices to move to something that's a better fit for them rather than feeling like it's being done to them, that they still have some control in what's going on. And again, in the majority of cases where we've worked with HR people to take that approach, um, we see that the employee will actually be quite um, decisive in the actions that they want to take and start to take ownership and accountability for the changes that they want to make, which much better for them and for the organisation. Right. Um, when I heard you say, particularly in the first story, which struck me was maybe also one answer might be how can how can you actually use your strengths if other people are maybe not that convinced was to create a, an experience of the group. You talked about that moment when when, you know, they started to see love as a different thing than they had before. So that was um, like a transformative moment of the whole group. Would what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think some of it's shifting perception and permission. <laughs> um, and that's one of the things I love about the vocabulary of the VIA strengths is they start to help us understand that at our best, this is what people look like. <laughs> and it makes sense neurologically and from a performance perspective to give people a chance to do that more often. And as we start to understand a language and an application in our workplaces, in our cultures, for the outcomes that we're trying to achieve about how these strengths might play out. It takes some of those softer strengths. Like I think spirituality is often another one that people find hard to think about how they'd use at work. 
Um, it takes kindness. It takes love. Um, it takes hope in pieces like that and actually starts to make it easier for workplaces to understand the value of what these strengths bring, but also the opportunity, the untapped potential that's sitting in many employees because at the moment they often don't feel like they can bring those pieces of themselves to work. And, of course, again, we see that growing evidence base that the more we can feel authentic uh, in bringing our whole selves to work, our real us to our workplace, again, the more engaged and effective we are, the better it is for our well-being long term. Right. Sounds good. So what can the listener do right now to give, you know, if they want to use their strengths at work? Yeah, look, the first thing is discover what they are. So if you're sitting here and you can't name your top five strengths as you're listening to this, I would head on over to viame.org and start with the free 10-minute survey there because it's a really quick, easy way for you to start to figure out what those strengths are and then start to tune into those light bulb moments we talked about, about when am I engaged, when am I energised, when am I enjoying my work and which of these character strengths am I using. So that's that's number one, discover what they are. We estimate that about two-thirds of us have no idea what our strengths are, so it's a great place to start. If you've already done that, you've got a sense of what your strengths are, but it's like, oh, what do I do with it next? Um, start to tune in to where you're getting them just right, where you're overplaying or underplaying them a little bit. So I always say strength is not a blunt instrument, <laughs> just like you wouldn't use a hammer to fix everything in your house. You don't want to just apply strengths to every situation. We want to start to get more intelligent about our use of strengths and understanding in this situation for this outcome, which of my strengths is going to serve me best and do I need to dial it up or dial it down to get the things I want. So start to be, as you mentioned, Kristen, more mindful about how you're developing your strengths, not just applying them, but developing them as you go about what you do each day. Um, another step I find can really help as you get more in tune to that, starting to think forward a bit more to go okay well if I did use these strengths more consistently to get these great results at work over the next year what would the year look like 12 months from now what would my boss be saying in my performance review for example or what would my colleagues be appreciating about me or why would my clients be loving me so it really is taking just that bit of space to think about if I used my strengths if I developed them more each day at work effectively what would my future look like and that's going to give you the motivation and that pull forward to really stick with doing a little bit of this each day. Another important piece of that as you get clear on that vision is to think about, okay, well, what's the kind of development support I might need to make that happen? Is there on-the-job learning opportunities I'd really like to be able to maximise my strengths more? Um, is there coaching that I might need to fine-tune some of this application? Are there learning opportunities that would help me? And starting to talk to your boss, even if they don't understand understand the value of strengths yet or what yours are, but starting to frame some of your development requests around how do you build on what's already working well for you. And then, of course, last but not least, Kristen, that little 11-minute development habit each day for your strengths. And um, look, 11 minutes doesn't sound like it would do very much, but for me, when I started that curiosity habit, I was in a job I didn't really enjoy very much, so it was more just my sanity saver that for at least 11 minutes a day, I was going to enjoy something I did at work work and I started whatever I learned I used to send to my boss on a Friday with these were the three things that I learned this week and um, really he wasn't asking for it I was just kind of planting seeds and sharing the knowledge 
What I didn't know is my boss started forwarding that email on to people and within about six months it was going to more than 100 people inside and outside our organisation and became instrumental for my boss in starting to see me not as the marketing expert that I'd been for most of my career but as starting to become this kind of expert in how did we bring out the best in our people in workplaces. And as a result of that, around that sort of nine-month mark, I was offered a new role that they created, especially so I could use positive psychology in this workplace, um, a promotion and pay rise which went with it, which was nice. But it was all just because for at least 11 minutes each day, I'd showed up and shone. I'd done what I did best. I'd used my strengths. And that allowed people's perception of what I was capable of doing to begin to shift, as well as I say, maintain my own sanity during a time at work where I maybe wasn't enjoying a lot of my day-in, day-out stuff so much. So 11 minutes a day can do more than you think. And my recommendation is start, give it a try for a month, see how it goes. If it's not working, try another strategy. But in my experience of having coached thousands of people with this, 11 minutes a day of using your strengths can probably do far more than you're thinking it can as you hear this. Wow. Uh, what a great way to end this interview. Um, Michelle, where can people find you? Uh, so www.michellemcquade.com. Uh, you'll find lots of free little videos there. Um, you can also download an ebook there on how you can use your strengths at work that has more than 70 different habits that you can uh, play with depending on what your strengths are. So there's one in there for every strength, even appreciation of beauty and excellence. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kristen. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthsphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>